Desert Island Books, a podcast about reading. I'm your host and resident librarian, Natalie Mason, from the City of Melbourne Libraries. Joining me is a special guest who will share their top three all-time favourite books. Ellen Van Nieuwen is an award-winning writer of Mununjali Yugombe from South East Queensland and Dutch Heritage. They write fiction, poetry, plays and non-fiction. Ellen's first book, Heat and Light, 2014, and one of my favourite books ever, was the recipient of the David Unipon Award, the Dobby Literary Award, and the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards Indigenous Writers Prize. Heat and Light was also shortlisted for the Stella Prize, the Queensland Literary Award for State Significance, and the Readings Prize. Ellen's second book, a collection of poetry, Comfort Food, in 2016, was shortlisted for the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards Kenneth Slessor Prize and highly commended for the 2016 Wesley Michael Wright Prize. Ellen's newest collection, Throat, 2020 is forthcoming. Their performance poem, Swim, featured at the Yellamundi First Peoples Playwriting Festival in Sydney in January 2019. And they are also completing a novel. So I was wondering maybe this whole podcast should just be you talking about your new novel. Oh, yeah. Uh, No. (laughs) No, we won't do that? Okay. Well, in that case, we'll stick to the script. Welcome to your desert island, Ellen. And thank Thank you for sharing your favourite books with us. How are you? Thanks, Natalie. I'm pretty good. Yeah. A bit bit parched actually would would you pass the ginger beer yes I would I would love to we've got a jug of it what did we decide lime and fresh mint yeah yeah pretty good combo yeah um can you tell me anything about your first debut novel um no no really literally nothing still figuring it out um I'm working on my because I got a poetry book coming out in May next year so we're just Finishing the edits on that and, um, yeah, so in Poetry Zone at the moment. But, um, yeah, uh, most likely it'll touch on the themes that I'm always interested in, like family, country, love, um, yeah, those sort of things. And nature. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. My favourite story... From Heat and Light was the centre one with oh, the yeah. boat and the people and the, oh, it still it still lives with me, having read that oh, a long time ago. Good to hear. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, really just coming from where I live and where I grew up and grown up and where my ancestors are from, which is southeast Queensland. Um, that story comes from the bay. Um, real sort of mangrovey, salty sort of story. Mm. Um, I'm just really inspired by where I'm from and sort of feeling those deep connections there. And it's coastal? Yeah. So you've got land and water. You've yeah. got animals from both areas. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And there's a freedom on about being on the coast. Do you feel that? Yeah. More than being in a landlocked place? I guess so. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, so we, we're fresh water and salt water. So, yeah, I mean, they're very, they have very different energies, uh, rivers and ocean, even though they connect. Mm. Yeah. It's that meeting place where, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so please keep writing. I, I will. Thank I will you. continue Thanks to be your number one reader. Of course, if you, you know, if you need anyone to read a draft, like I'm qualified at reading because I'm a librarian. Yes, yeah, sick. I bet you are one of the most qualified people around with all the reading that you do. I do heaps yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, like totally heaps of it. Yeah. It's professional and qualification. So, on that note, let's talk about reading. Would yeah. you like to please introduce for us the title and author of your first book? Uh, the first book is The White Girl by Uncle Tony Birch. Glorious. I love that you chose this book. I was already listening to the audiobook when your email came in with your choices. So, I thought it was serendipitous to start with, but also. I was sort of like well into the story. So please tell us how you came to choose this book because Tony's mm. got such a body of work. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, for this podcast, I know, you know, being the sort of three books to take on a desert island, I thought about books that I had very recently read and that I was still travelling with that mm. was still sort of in my suitcase um, and this book um, I've been excited about. I'm always excited when he has a new book out because his work is just so rich. Um, and so um, I couldn't wait to read this. Um, and um, I think uh, just was just like, captivated from the first page um, because in this book um, which is uh, set in a fictional town called Dean um, it follows the two main characters are um, a grandmother and her granddaughter and it's like a lot about the bond and the love that they have for each other which is like yeah just super beautiful mm. and I remember talking to Uncle Tony when he was writing this book about like how he had to go through a lot of like permission in like showing like older women the story and like asking if like they were like it felt real to them and they were like cool about it and he got um, that feedback from them that really informed the work um, and even though he would have had a lot of older women in his life that also would have informed it, um, it's just like, just really, really touching. I mean, we could just sort of sit in their world, you know, in their little house that they live in, um, the way that they sort of care for each other and love for each other. You don't even feel like you need a plot, but then there's also a killer plot as well. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're so, um, there's this sort of, um, yeah, there's this menace around the place and it's sort of set in a time where um, people were actively going after child, Aboriginal children and, and taking them. Um, and so, yeah, you sort of are really feeling very worried for Sissy uh, and Odette, her grandmother. Yeah, Odette is one of the most glorious grandmothers I've ever read. Tony has an incredible way of writing full characters. Mm. I feel like the bad guy is like a super bad guy. Like he's a real villain, like a proper villain. Yeah. And, but I but there's something so charming and sweet about Odette that she feels quite real. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think even with 
his minor characters are so interesting and so mm. well-rounded and they feel like real people. Um, but, yeah, Odette is like, you know, what what you imagine as being this like someone who's like so strong but also so soft and tender as well. And um, I think I heard um, Uncle Tony talking about this book as like wanting to like write about love and wanting to sort of show love. Mm. And that's the sort of way that you can like, I guess, get people on board and like really make them feel invested in the story. Yeah, Odette's really, she's smart and she's resourceful, but also she's fighting for the right thing. It's so clear. Um, It's so clear what she's doing comes directly from her heart and it's a sense of wanting to protect family. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, with this, like, threat of this this, uh, sort of power-hungry copper that sort of comes into Dean, um, he's... He has taken an interest in all Aboriginal children in the place, mm. uh, which he, under law, he owns these these people. He own he controls every aspect of their lives, and so um, Odette knows instinctively that Sissy's life is at risk, and she might be taken away and taken away to who knows where, and she might not ever see her again um and so she like hatches a plan to for them to escape um the place um and it's real risky and real bold um and as part of the plan uh, this is why the title of the story comes into play um sissy is like more fairer skinned um so she can I guess, pass as a white girl. Um, and so Odette pretends to be someone who, like, works for, like, Sissy's family. So you've, instead of having, like, um, an Aboriginal woman and her granddaughter on the train sort of moving interstate, you've got a, um, a like, a white girl in inverted commas and an Aboriginal, old Aboriginal woman um, travelling um and so, yeah, it's like, it's a real, yeah, it's sort of like a real, like, throat in the mouth sort of story as they sort of make their way on this, like, journey and, um, yeah. And the tension is there because it's a very real threat that hangs over Odette and Sissy as they're travelling um, because as they begin their journey, that n- nasty um, cop uh, f- figures out what's going on and then starts to pursue them. So we're reading. So as readers, we know that there's a cat and mouse game going on. We know that the threat is real and it's coming for them, and yet we kind of languish in these conversations that they have on the train, and we kind of celebrate the love and care that they have for each other, and how they hatch this plan together, and how they rehearse it together, and how Sissy calls her Nan, and Odette's like, "You can't call, you can't me, call Nan. me Nan. You yeah. can't do that." So that you know, so they're rehearsing and they're hatching this plan together, and they're kind of in cahoots, mm. right? And as a as the reader, we're kind of with them all the way, and we're we're like championing them. We're like, yeah. we want them to succeed. We want them to escape. We want them to be safe. But there's this underlying threat the whole way, but it's not, and it's menacing and it's real, and it is real, it's actually real. Um, but Tony does it with such a, you know, sometimes it's a light hand. I don't know if that's the right way to say it because I don't 
Mm. I'm being complimentary Mm-mm. when I say he does it with such a light hand that you've got to just turn the next page of the book. Mm. Like in terms of the story, we're completely invested in it. We've got to know where it goes next. And it's a page turner. Like it's a mm. really, you've got that threat, that menace and that real history, but also it's a really enjoyable read. He just writes the most beautiful books to read. They're like a joy every time. Yeah, there's, there's humour, there's love and, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just extraordinary writing um, mm. and really um, I guess, you know, these these policies were like and still are so damaging for First Nations peoples in Australia um, but he doesn't cast his characters as victims. He's mm. like, look, you know, like th- these people were like of like the state had full control over them, every aspect of their lives. But look at the resourcefulness here, you know, like there's so many stories of like survival and resistance and just sort of, Mm. um, yeah, sort of, I guess, moments of like, yeah, sort of love and um, tenderness like in all all of this, yeah. And it's family in all of its forms. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like people that they meet along the way that sort of, I won't give too much away, that are drawn into the journey. And I think we're thinking of the same wonderful character. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we, we liked that person very much. Yeah. You, yeah. Everyone should read this book. It's, it's just amazing. I can't fault it in any way. Yeah. And it's your favourite of all of Tony's work. Do you think yeah. he just gets better? We were talking about that. Hey, like, you know, because he has quite a body of work for those of you who haven't read any of his work. He's uh, written short story collections, um, uh, sort of non-fiction historical academic work, a poetry collection as well. And then this is his, I believe, um, third novel. Um, first one was Blood. Second one was Ghost River. Um Ghost River's really about the Yarra and sort of, the, you know, this place that we are on today, um, Nam, the the country of the Kulin nations. Um, I think um, this work, for me, as much as I love all of these other books, I think, yeah, maybe time will tell, but at the moment... Yeah, I think it I think it might be my favorite. What about you? I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I really liked Ghost River, um which is a coming of age story of two boys, but I think there's more for me to relate to in terms of like matriarchal is families. The, yeah, is it the female characters in yeah. this one for you? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, but definitely. the writing's amazing. You were you were saying he's only written three novels. I was like, but there's shadow boxing. Oh no, that's autobiographical. Hang on, wait, that's short story. Sort wait. of like a yeah. The, he's right? written and a this... couple of books that are sort of have yeah, like shadow boxing. I don't know. I don't even know what you would call it in terms of genre. It's like autobiographical short interlinked stories like I guess you could read it as a novel like I don't know I don't want to sort of prescribe yeah yeah but yeah but I was like surely there's more oh no that's right hang on (laughs) wait it's only three keep writing Tony we need you to keep writing yeah 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 you would agree yeah yeah absolutely excellent all right shall we delve into book two could you reveal the title and author of the second item that you've brought with you today Yes, uh, this is Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good by Adrian Marie Brown. 
And how did you come to find this book? Because you were the first person that's ever told me about it, so I'm keen to know mm. who was the first person to ever tell yeah. you about it. Yeah, um, a friend of mine um, was, you know, was talking about it. They had it, she had it in her bedroom and I was like, what's that? And she was like, oh, I just picked up this book. Just came out this year mm-hmm. as well as, um, yeah, mm. the, these, these books are quite recent. Um, and... Um, yeah, I was really interested because it didn't really look like anything else I'd ever read. So I ordered a copy, um, and, um, yeah, really enjoyed this, I guess, collection of essays would be, yeah, but very sort of, um engaging well how would you describe this I feel, work I think it's an academic setup in the sense that they are essays and she brings in ideas um or is it they they maybe they bring in ideas of um previous kind of black feminist writers from the past from the recent past um Adrian brings in their contemporaries as well and there's a there's a sense that we're learning something as we read. However, I don't feel like it's written as an academic text. Mm. Did yeah. you get that sense? Like you're learning stuff and you're kind of rethinking how you feel about different things. Like nonfiction can do that for you. Like good nonfiction does that. But I also didn't feel like I had to take notes and or like Google things while I was reading it. It's informed by academic work, but it's very um, plain speak um, sort of... I. I know Adrian writes um, lots of blogs and some of this has been like directly like come from like online writing. So it's very accessible. Um, And um, I think, yeah, I think there's just something special about her writing style. Hmm. Um, Sort of like, I guess, Bell Hooks. Have you ever read any of Bell Hooks? I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely learned a lot from this book. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the sort of book I think, you know, it's like about, um, how would I describe it? Um, it's about so many different things, um, activism, healing, um, I think, yeah, social justice, uh, sort of like a bit of a handbook on how to live, but without like prescribed notions like it's not like you have to do this do that you can you can just pick it up and find a few things that really like resonate with you yeah and there's like little activities that you can do which are really cool yes the hot and heavy homework I think it's called yeah the little sections like go away and think about yourself naked are you happy with your body you should be because you're awesome yeah like it's all super positive yeah that's the vibe Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, there's a, a couple of um, separate essays in there about Beyonce, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah. Um, but there's also essays in there about um, living with um, limited ability mm-hmm. um, and asking for help and, and creating a community of care around yourself. So, um, so life isn't as hard as it needs to be and there are people around you who care and love and support you and you can care and love and support for them too. It's a super positive vibes book. I know. I felt like... filled up with love from reading that book because I think, you know, we live in a world that's really, yeah, quite negative, quite, you know, there's like we live in a patriarchy, we live in a world that, you know, there's 
there's sort of a power imbalance where like black and brown bodies are sort of seen to be less than, uh, yeah, white bodies and um, women are seen to be as less like queer, gender diverse people, uh, trans people and people with disabilities, you know, like there's, there's so, there's like, yeah, there's sort of like a, um, yeah, sort of we're living in like a very harsh world mm. um, and it's not, yeah, I hope it's getting softer but I think, you know, this world is about like, this book is about like, you know, like being like, no, like just, you know, like forget about all that noise and just really um, like find your truth and um cultivate this space for yourself you know like yeah. know your power kind of thing yeah yeah and there's a lot of um anger in activism and rightly so because the world can make you furious really furious but I've, i thought that this book dealt very well with um not tone policing that anger but channeling that anger into self uh self-pleasure in the sense that it made you think about yourself your own health um, the things that you need to give yourself the energy to complete that activism. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like, I don't know, how many of us are like burnt out by all the things yes. that we want to do and need to do? Uh, this this is like, yeah, it's sort of giving you those tools to sort of generate that, that energy for yourself and for for the people around you. And also like, I don't know, about you but like I always feel like I should care for others and I sort of forget about my own needs and sort of it's uh, it allows you to sort of be like well you can't really help others unless you help yourself like what are you like what are you doing where man? does your like, energy come from if yeah. you're giving it all away it's a yeah. hard balance it's a really hard balance um it reminds me of that very silly thing in airplanes where they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on first yeah. I'm like why I can't watch someone else pass out <laughs> but then they would watch me pass out and it's like Natalie's brain just goes on a loop so yeah. it's constant on a loop <laughs> who do I help I've got two hands I can do two oxygen oh. masks and save everybody Natalie but I really hope you're never in that situation <laughs> I hope not either because my brain would just fry like I don't know how I would cope could you please be next to me <laughs> put your own mask on and then give me a hand with my conundrum yeah there are so. a couple of pleasure principles um that Adrienne talks about early on in the book um, and I thought I would read them out and see yeah. if there was any that particularly that resonated with cool. you. Yeah. Um, so these are some of the pleasure, pleasure principles. They're not all of them. You do have to read the book if you want the rest. But what you pay attention to grows. We become what we practice. Yes is the way. Look at that positivity again. When I am happy, it is good for the world. Yes. That's exactly right. Make justice and liberation feel good. Your no makes the way for your yes. Yes. Right? So that's yes. some of that self-care, isn't it? Like I yeah. can't right now but I'm going to or yeah. I need to figure out how and then I'm going to do it strongly. Yeah. Uh, really, yeah, really interesting chapter, maybe chapters about consent and not just consent um, in, yeah, sort of uh, negotiating consent in, in sex but also in like other aspects of your life. And, um, yeah, I think that what you just read out about like um the more we sort of um yeah instead of sort of saying 
like half yeses to things or maybes to things um, instead of like, yeah, just waiting until like we know that it's like a strong yes, yes. to like do something and then it's always going to be better and feel better. Totally. Because you're all in and you're fully committed to it. Yeah. And fully present as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this book was amazing. I'm yeah. really, yeah, thank you for reading it with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Ah, pleasure activism. Get it? I made a joke. <laughs> Helen, I'm hilarious. Okay, before I make any other silly jokes, would you like to please reveal the title and author of book three? The next book is Under Glass by Gregory Kahn. So is, is this somebody that you know? Because I want to know Gregory too. So do you know him? Can you I introduce me? I do know me? Greg. Yeah, how, I can how is introduce he? you. He's good. Uh, so firstly, I wanted, you know, you notice that my books are, um, you know, representing three genres. So we've got a, we started with fiction. We, then we went to nonfiction. This is a poetry collection. Um, and for anyone who knows me, I'm really passionate about poetry uh, and I was recently at the Queensland Poetry Festival and I was very excited to see that Greg's name was on the program because I read Greg's previous book, um, this this paper The Paper Boat. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that book. Um, so and I didn't th I thought it, he was I don't even know how I came across a copy, but um, he's uh, an Asian New Zealander uh, living in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, and, um, yeah, sort of I think, um, yeah, sort of was really happy that other people knew of his work as well and that he had a new book coming out. Um, and so uh, I did a bit of a, like, yeah, like, ah, I'm such a fan, like, when I met him. And my mum, what's funny is that um, my mum is also really getting into poetry and that was the first poetry book that she really loved, his previous book. And she was like, oh, yeah, I really love you too. And uh, we um, we got away from the whole festival vibe. Um, he had a sort of spare morning and we... We went and got um, fish and chips, uh, for those of you who know Brisbane in Sandgate, uh, which is one of the Bay suburbs, like 30 minutes out from the CBD. And it, we just had a really lovely time talking about uh, poetry and talking about this new book, um, which I was happy to sort of pick up a copy, um, which is called Under Glass. Is there a passage or two that you will read for us, please, 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 please? I would love to, Natalie. You know what? Like I, you know, sometimes feel nervous about reading other people's work because I'm like, oh, you know, like what if I like totally like butcher it? But like I feel like this is something that I would love to and I really feel like it's right to sort of read a little bit from this work. Um, so, yeah, I'll read it. I'll read a poem. Thank you. You thought that because you had less, you would take everything. You always think about what you could lose without really losing anything. If you live in a mind that destroys itself, 
to comfort itself, then I think I can understand. But right now I am tired of understanding. Is there more you want to read? Yeah. This is a little bit later in the book. Sometimes when you have your back turned, I have my back turned. Sometimes when you have your back turned, I turn around and look at your back. Sometimes when I turn around and look at your back, you turn around and then we look at each other. Yeah. Just going to sit here and silently weep uh, for a minute while I regain <laughs> my composure. Um, it's really special. It's super special to have you read it. It's um, a good book to read out loud. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah just really um, spare and sparse and, yeah. So can you do the good poetry talk, because I can't, and explain how half of the book is in prose and half of the book is in verse? Can you help for people who haven't seen the book yeah. to um, explain that in better words than I can about what that looks like and what that means? Yeah, so there's this thing called prose poetry, uh, which some poets use, where um, the poetry is in sort of paragraph form. So typically you, can, you imagine poetry as being in a line structure. So um, having like lines that don't necessarily need to follow a traditional sentence structure um, and having, I guess, verses. Um, but, yeah, imagine a poem um, that is actually a paragraph um, and that's sort of lent, that, that's in sentence form and lends itself to um, ha- telling, like have a little bit of a like snapshot um, a little sort of similar to microfiction, but there's a there's a different intent with a prose poem, um, sort of leaning more to the lyrical, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And it's beautiful because, well, it's beautiful for so many reasons, but for me, someone who doesn't read poetry that often, um, I liked that, or well, there were certainly two narrative threads that went through this collection and they differed in the way they looked as mm. well as the way they sounded. So um, I read it aloud to myself, which felt a little silly, but after a while I got the hang of it, no one else was around, and it actually helped me hear it in a way that poetry is to be heard, in a way that a novel, I mean, you know, I'm into audio books obviously, but still there's something special about having poetry read aloud or reading it aloud. Um, And then there are those two threads um, where the prose follows a person who kind of traverses physical spaces and goes to different places and experiences different things in nature and outdoors and indoors. And then the um, the verse part of the poetry is more of an internal monologue. The pieces that you read were the verse parts. Mm. Um, and there's a you in that where they're speaking to someone. And sometimes that person seems quite intimate and close to them and sometimes it seems as though it's an ex-lover or Mm. an an estranged friend or someone that they're not close to anymore. Um, But you get these kind of, you get people and you get Mm. places Mm. Mm. through both of those types of writing. 
Yeah, this is a very abstract work. Um, and I think I needed to, well, may, yeah, maybe you, you can disagree with me at any time, but I think I needed to sort of pull back my expectations a little bit in um, following, you know, what you would see as like a traditional narrative, but really get swept up in the voice. And even though it's a work about place and place is mentioned so many times in this work, it feels like a work that has no place. Mm. Like it's like this alien landscape and, you know, you see the cover, which is like, yeah, it looks like outer space. Like, mm. And so, yeah, what I think Gregory is really doing is he's trying to like write a work that's not set in a fixed place Hmm. and which is something that's so foreign to me as like a writer where everything comes from place Hmm. everything comes from country and it's like wedded and it's like embedded and it's like tied down to a very specific place and a very specific ecosystem um but this work feels like it's like floating like Hmm. these words of these beautiful words are floating um and I know that it's a work that um Greg uses a lot of like sampling. So he's, uh, there's like 20 books that are listed in the the back of the book that he's sort of borrowed lines from these other works and he's sort of created this work that's like everywhere but nowhere, which is, wow. yeah, like I said, it's sort of fascinating for me on a sort of theoretical level that someone can create something like this. Um and, uh, you know, even though, you know, it doesn't, it's not said anywhere, it's sort of, it feels, yeah, it's, I think in that way, the emo- the emotion sort of rise. So I don't know, did, mm. how did you sort of feel? I felt like it was imaginary for mm. like the, um, that prose part of the book that follows this person as they kind of go from inside to outside and... Mm. They end up in the lighthouse that has all these incredible tunnels. And so I was like, all right, come on, Nat, be smart. There's got to be a metaphor. Like, come on, come on, follow Mm. this, follow this and see where it goes. So there were parts of it, yeah, parts of it where I thought, no, no, it's the the lighthouse from round the twist. It's in Anglesey. I can picture it. I've touched it. I know exactly. Like it's it's concrete in my head. Um, But then, yeah, within a a line or two, he kind of zipped me off to somewhere else and I thought, no, 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 it's actually in my head. It's Mm. not real. Mm -mm. It's not a place I've been to. Yeah. Yeah. And it it felt um, like the imagery was concrete, but I felt like the place was imaginary. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, sort of, yeah, like I guess like an abstract painting but with those symbols those sort of everyday symbols and I even had like a look so this is like really nerdy because I'm teaching a poetry class and one of the things um and we were talking about like words that poets use and I was like hey guys um here's an exercise why don't you like think about words that like poets use in their poetry like just generally speaking and then I found online um, someone had looked at like 3,000 poems and they had done a count of like which were the most words, the words that would that popped up the most. Yeah. And there was like a list of 20 and um, some of the students, 
you know, guess them. Like I, I thought love, love was the first one I thought, and it came up as number two. Um, and actually, time was number one, Truly. which is yeah, I didn't think about that that would be number one, but then I time. thought, oh, that makes sense because yeah. we're always thinking about time, you know. So time and love, and then there was ones where I guess you would probably guess like the body, eyes, and hands featured. Um, if you think of sort of the net, the natural world, um, sun, wind, water. Um, so these words, and then I had a look at Gregory's work, and it was just sort of these were these words were so present in the work. You mm. know, these sort of very, um, and I sort of like go like, why do we use these words? And they're very um, universal. Uh, they're like pr- sort of like primary words, I mm. guess, in how we experience yeah. the world and how much yeah. meaning that we load onto these words. Um, yeah. How we experience the world and then the words we choose to reflect it back. Mm. Considering how big the dictionary is, exactly. surprising, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, it's also English language specific and um, if you think of like the Inuit having like, I don't know, 50 words for ice, you know, mm. like how ice doesn't really tell you anything, but if you like live off the ice and you survive off the ice, of course, you have all of these different words for like explaining the ice at different stages, you know? Yeah. Um, so something like love, um, yeah, you know, this it's a universal word, but it's also a word that we could break up into have so many different meanings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing me Greg's poetry and for introducing me to him. That was kind of you to offer. So I'll look forward to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get fish and chips sometime. Into it. Um, And we can drink ginger beer. Uh, My next question for you is what are you reading at the moment? Mm. Yeah. So I've read these books uh, and then um, I moved on to, um, do you know, you know that short story that went really big a couple of, maybe a, two years ago called Cat Person? In the New Yorker, yeah. Yeah. So she uh, has released the short story collection that Cat Person appears. Do you know what it's called? Is it something like... I do not know what it's called, but I will find out and it will be in the show notes. Yeah. So I read that because, you know, I was curious to see what the other stories were going to be like because Cat Person really struck a chord, you know, Mm. everyone was talking about it. And so there are quite a few stories that are about the sort of same themes as Cat Person. So like online dating like dating through apps and like I guess following like various characters as they sort of navigate this like romantic space I guess yeah so yeah I I found it pretty interesting um and I really like a short story collection that centers around sort of common themes and sort of you can dip in and dip out I never read short story collections chronologically Right. Um, I sort of just like circle through and sort of at some point all of them will be read but not in the order, the chronological order that they appear. Okay, my mind is blown because <laughs> I'm like, A, how are you not doing it in order? That's such a librarian way to think. <laughs> um, but B, 
what is the author's intention of putting them in order like that? Isn't it like an album where like they sequence the tracks in order because there's a narrative or you've got to listen to those songs in that order? Like is Beyonce just like, ah, shuffle, don't care. Alan, help me understand. That is, it's it's actually brought up, a, it's a really interesting topic. I think probably everyone would have their own opinions on it. I think, yeah, with an album, it's sort of traditionally something that like you just, you put on the record and then you, you know, went off and, you know, made your dinner or you, yep. um, you know, socialised and then the record played in its entire order and you didn't have any choice around that and so it was as the artist sort of put put down but now um I think uh listening habits are a little bit not everybody but you know like there's a whole deal whole idea where you can just sort of like go in for like a particular song and sort of create your own uh track listing um but I think with so I think um there'll probably be purists out there that will be like, yeah, no, you have to read it in order. But I'm like, and that's how I feel about my own poetry too, like I, and my fiction as well. Like I was like, I've been really freaking out about the ordering of my new manuscript. And my publisher was like, oh, don't worry, people don't read it in order anyway. And I was like, oh, yeah, true. I wouldn't necessarily read something in order. So they're right. Like... I guess it depends, like there's all different reading experiences people have and I, with my own writing, I definitely want to keep it open and not prescribe and hopefully it's something that people can feel like they can access in their own time and space. I mean, that's a good thing. That's the most uh, interesting thing about writing is people can do it at at their own pace. Mm. Like if you go see a movie, you're sitting there for two hours and... Um, you know, that's the time frame. If you listen to an album, it's like, you know, 45 minutes or 50 minutes. That's the time frame. If you read a book, you know, you can read a book over a week, a day, a year. You know, I have a lot of books that sort of sit there and I start them and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't feel like I'm in the right headspace for this. And then I come back to it and bang, you know, like it's that sort of magical experience. So... I don't know. What does your librarian brain think about all of this? Oh, in order, all the time, in order. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read Heat and Light and I'm going to read it out of order just for you. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are you going to do it's like something like, like backwards or are you going to do? I'm going to read my favourite story first cool. and then read everything else and then go back to my favourite story. Cool. Well, can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, let's get another podcast together and I'll just tell you how much I love your writing. That's cool. normal, right? Yeah. I mean, do other people do that for you too? Um, sure. Okay, <laughs> cool. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on your Desert Island, Ellen. You can read this episode's show notes, including a list of all the books we have discussed. That'll be on our Goodreads page. You can find that on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au on the read page. I'd also love to hear about your Desert Island books. What are you packing in your waterproof suitcase? Tweet at Library with the hashtag Desert Island Books and let me know the books you cannot live without. You can download previous Desert Island Books episodes in your favourite podcast app or at SoundCloud or iTunes. Simply search for Melbourne Library Service. Happy reading! Mm-hmm.